You're listening to Caffeine Boost, brewed by Allianz PNB Life. Good morning, ladies. How are we today? Good morning, Hi. Good morning. Go straight na ako, ah. Sige. Did you know that Starbucks, if you go into a Starbucks, you will see two kinds of tables lang. Round mm-hmm. table and rectangular table. And there's a reason for the round tables. Siyempre, pag rectangular, malalaki usually yan, di ba? The reason mm-hmm. for the round table, sabi ng Reader's Digest na pinablished ng Starbucks doon yung reason. The round tables are supposed to make you feel more at home when you are by yourself. Oh. Okay. Ah, minsan, pag mag-coffee run ka, Candice, diba? Mm. Hihintayin mo yung kape, maupo ka muna sa round table. That's mm. why I'm drawn to that to, the, to their table, to the round table pala when I go to Starbucks. That's and right. then I choose the the square one kapag gusto ko mag-work and all. That was pre-ECQ, oh. ah. <laughs> <laughs> At saka kung may kasama ka, syempre, rectangular tables ang pwede mo. Tsaka mas may intimacy kasi sa round table because, syempre, it's, uh, kumbaga, ikaw, limitedly makakaupo dun. So, mas intimate yung conversation. Oh, Kaya oh. you feel at home, mm. no? Yeah, kahit nag-iisa ka, you feel at home even when you're by yourself. Ito mm. na, mm. palagi ako may segue. Isa segue ko kung bakit ko sinabi yung fact na yun. Sige nga, okay. <laughs> segue ko is, think of your financial journey. Your financial journey, sometimes you would feel by yourself when you plan things out about your finances. Diba? Parang minsan, ang lungkot, parang sino ba tatanungin ko? Sino ba kausapin ko? Such mm. is uh, the job of a financial advisor. Kaya iyon yung pag-uusapan natin today. A heads up, this episode is going to be long. But no, di ba, Candice, you were there? I was. What? Yeah, sayang nga, I missed this. Oh, sayang, sayang, you missed oh. this. What felt like 15 minutes is actually an hour and 15 minutes. Oh, was it? I didn't even notice that. Siyempre, may edits na tayo, but no, it's still... Possibly, this is one of the longest. But, guys, I'm telling you now, this is all so worth it. We released a preview and everyone mm-hmm. was so excited already. Mm. And, you know, I always say that our guest today is, I describe him this way. He is the financial advisor of financial advisors. Yeah. Yes. And, ang maganda dito, kilala na siya ng mga listeners natin, Joselle. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, of course, Joselle and Candice, our guest for today is actually a returnee. Mm-hmm. If you would remember way back in episode 2, sa sobrang daming episodes, wow. no, ang tagal na. So, mm-hmm. he talked about how why health needs planning is important. So, mm-hmm. this time around, in our 16th episode, he is joined by one of our guests of honors and they will answer the question do we really need a financial advisor in our lives so friends let's listen to jay rodriguez a financial advisor for eight years and a member of the million dollar roundtable and with him is the president and ceo of insight tech systems and Director and Lead Faculty of Wealth Management Center for Communications and Research, Mr. Jong Merida. Good morning, everyone. Today, we have Jong Merida and Jay Rodriguez with us. Hi, Jong. How are you? Hey, Giselle. Thank you again for inviting me. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Yeah, we always look forward to having that conversation with you. Jay, Jay, this yeah. is your first time here. Yes. How are you, sir? Actually, we, we've talked about this for quite some time to invite me. So thank you very much again, Giselle, for inviting Oh, glad to have you. Of course, we have Candice with Hi. us here today. Candice. Hi, Candice. Yeah. Yep. Uh-oh. I'm happy to see uh, J&J. 
with us in our episode today, Jong and Jay. Welcome to Caffeine Boost. It's nice to have you here. Thank you. That's right. Go ahead. Let's start with the conversation. I'll, I'll jump right in. Financial advisor. That is now the buzzword. Si Dennis Funa, the commissioner of the Insurance Commission, he said, if you lost your job, if you've been laid off, apply as an insurance agent mm-hmm. in the various companies. What can you say about that, Jong and Jay, of course? Jay, you might want to lead off since uh, this is right <laughs> down your alley as a financial yep. advisor. Yeah. Okay, for, first off, the first person I probably spoke to within the industry was Jocelle. This was, uh, do you remember that day? It was, oh, yeah. A, yeah. It was a bright Saturday morning, uh, 2012. I think it was probably April, April or May, I believe so, of 2012. And to be honest, it, uh, I don't know what, I didn't know what I was in for. <laughs> I actually didn't even know it was a sales job. <laughs> like I actually thought I would be some somewhat like a economist or maybe stock analyst or or something to that sort. Uh, it w- I wasn't really fully briefed on why I should show up in an office uh, on a Saturday morning really early. I didn't know what to expect really <laughs> up until up until when they started doing the trainings and these are what you're going to be telling your clients. I'm like clients selling stuff, pushing stuff, and. <laughs> And you know, really, and and I had a really long adjustment period in in the job, probably like a one year learning curve of trying to understand uh, financial concepts and pushing it. But not only that, there was a there was a stigma that surrounded the advisor that you would be like kind of like a shady salesman you know, push product and hoping they they get the bait and and yes, I suckered another one. You know, and so there, there, there was a kind of stigma around that that I tried to kind of get get away from, and so there, there was this like secret agent moment for for a long time. And the, given that my the company that I was connected to was connected to a bank, a big bank that everyone knew of, mm. I I kind of said I was an employee of that bank rather rather than the you know the insurance company mm-hmm. that I was connected to because I didn't want the you know, all of the negative stigma that they attach to that stereotype to be placed on me. And I, I had to be creative in how to rebrand myself, actually. <laughs> so, so what do you say to that news? What can you say about that news where Commissioner Funa said, if you've been laid off, if you lost your job, join the insurance industry. Now, there will be kids. I say kids because they were your age back then. What would you say to them? Would you say, come, join would you say that? No. <laughs> knowing now, knowing now yes. what you didn't know then. Here's the thing. I, I would probably be an outlier in the sense and, and not, to, not to, you know, talk myself up. But because I, I performed well in the industry and I did well for myself, a lot of my superiors would say, could, could, you, could you find someone just like you? Just like you, same background, same way of communication, same circles, same network, same so-and-so. And so I tried. I tried to recruit a number of my friends and they they didn't really last long. Uh, they didn't perform well. And I noticed that my circumstances were very different from their circumstances. And a lot of these factors that came together contributed to me doing well in the industry. And mm-hmm. then, you know, if, if they didn't, if they didn't do anything, bills were paid because, you know, their parents were doing very well in life. And, you know, me having the story that I had where my, my father passed away and the burden of providing for the family had to come in to my shoulders. I saw that regardless of who you know, how you communicate, these these factors don't necessarily translate to success. So, I'm very curious, uh, sinabi mo, Jay, kanina, that when you started eight years ago, there was a bad reputation surrounding, you know, being a financial advisor. And yeah, I'm happy just trying to, to get your money. <laughs> gusto ko pag-usapan natin yon a bit lang. So, what was that bad rep ba that the financial, you know, advisory used to have or still have at the moment? 
Okay, so so like like in America, they they would always they would always say like a used car salesman. <laughs> Yung, they're they're just trying. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're, they're you know just I like man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think other industries don't have that stigma unless you're like from mm. like an ML kind of like an MLM kind of usap tayo open-minded gaba type of thing uh, but if you're talking <laughs> about like yeah if you're talking about like real estate mm. Um, mm. you sell real estate to the people who actually want to buy property and it is what it is no frou-frous the price is the price you could probably negotiate you tell them where where it's located what what its view is what floor what amenities yeah. and it's up to them mm. but with it's with tangible. our type our type of business because of the level of financial literacy in the market today you could be selling something to them that they totally don't need or it's, to, it's totally yeah, inappropriate uh, when i say inappropriate not not in a bastos way but it's not appropriate to their life stage it's not appropriate to their situation it just gives you the mm. most commission but it doesn't match a need it's just right. here and you start product pushing and that kind mm. of stigma creates this lolokohin ka lang um, you, yeah. you probably don't need that or they'll create a need that you don't mm. even really need but make you think to begin you need with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right okay but, i get it now but okay, Jay, yeah. you were uh, an mdr an mdrt member on your first year yes correct in spite of the f- feelings that you had about uh, the industry itself but that's a different story altogether we'll talk yeah. about that yeah. later jong your take on that that sha yung millennial tayo yung medyo mas matagal na sa industry what's your take on that well uh, i think it comes as no surprise to me that jay succeeded no because what many people do not realize in the industry is that the financial advisor is the product and and so when you look for advisors to form part of your team their story uh, all all manners of variables will come into play but in the case of jay you probably have the right you know degree of motivation and drive and probably the circumstances led him to perform at a level that would make him excel no to go back to your question what what do i think about uh, commissioner funas uh, call i'm not going to say it's irresponsible no because clearly it does provide opportunities to people who may have lost their jobs. No? But I've had a lot of financial advisors call me expressing serious reservations about that exhortation no? because we suffer from an image problem. And, and, and that problem derives largely from the nature of our business. No? When you're buying real estate or you're buying any tangible item, buyer remorse is often directed towards the product that they buy. But when you're talking about service, there's always a level of risk because, particularly in insurance, you're talking about realizing the gains of the decision when the contingent event finally arises. And so the measure of satisfaction is never derived from the product itself, but from the person selling it. That's my take on it. Mm-hmm. And so many of our advisors, sadly, after the sale is made, do not make the necessary representations to ensure that that level of satisfaction is either achieved or sustained. Many disappear. And, and so that's mm. where the accusation of commission ng anhabol and mm. after the sale is made, mm. na nagpakita, that is where that dissatisfaction is arising from. A- another problem kasi is, going back to what Jay referenced, in, in the U.S., There's a clear line between who is allowed to give advice and who is allowed to sell. Mm, right. And and those two functions cannot be found in a single person. Because there's a clear divide between people who are paid for rendering advice and people who get paid for selling a product. The reason being, you know, in a fiduciary regulatory environment in which they belong, They guarantee, at least the regulatory body guarantees, that the interest of the man on the street, the, the client, is protected at all times. And so when you are compensated for your advice, that advice should, should constitute the best interest of your client. Mm. But in the Philippines, kasi, when you are compensated for a sale, there is a natural conflict of interest there. 
Because what may be best for you as a salesman may not necessarily be the best for your client insofar as his financial objectives are concerned. No? So there are many factors that come into play, but the reality is we may not have done a very good job safeguarding the interest of the client, number one. And number two, we have not achieved the level of excellence or a standard no, of competence that will guarantee that the people bearing the name financial advisor can really stand up to the obligations and responsibilities that that particular name carries. No? Mm -hmm. Jay and a few others are exceptions. But sadly, uh, if you look at the industry, and I speak from experience, no? majority of our advisors know nothing more than the product itself. And you know, when you are not in a position to evaluate objectively and competently the requirements of your clients, then you are left to peddle products in the hope that number one, you're able to convince them, and number two, that this will not be far removed from what they actually need. So now when you're asking people to join the industry without emphasizing that there is an ethical standard to be maintained, there is an, sure. uh, an intellectual requirement needed for you to perform well, then it will have to be with caution that I will say that that uh, particular exhortation on the part of the commissioner should be a bit, how should I say it? Should be taken with guarded optimism. No? Kasi hindi siya ganun kadali. No? Hindi yung lahat kayo nawala ng trabaho, dito na kayo. Hindi naman tayo tambakan eh. Di ba? So yun, mm. that's, that's where I am as far as that uh, particular issue is concerned. Especially Great. now, um, Sir Jong, na wala ng insurance examination, right? Uh, what I mean by that is you cannot go to the insurance commission to even have your um, licensing exam. Right. So talagang malaking weight ang napupunta sa mga insurance companies. Like in the case of Alliance, we have to make sure that we really implement uh, very strict guidelines when it comes to conducting training and making sure that they have that standard of competence that is expected of each uh, financial advisor. Right, right. If I may suggest, no, I have yet to see a company that actually goes down to the level of the customer and conducts a survey to test and evaluate the level of professionalism, intelligence, and competence that was rendered by the advisor to the client prior to the sale. You see, here's where I'm coming from. Our advisors are measured by one thing. And that's by the number of policies they sell, the production. Right. Huh? Mm -hmm. And so we conveniently forget that what should go into that sale is a standard that is representative of what the company would like to propagate. No, we, we conveniently forget that. We assume when we award and reward all of these advisors that their excellence in selling is already compliant with the excellence uh, as far as uh, knowledge and expertise is concerned. No? My experience will tell me that that's not the case. Mm. There are some good salespeople who know next to nothing about the business. Yeah. And there are some people who are very competent, very knowledgeable, who unfortunately can't sell. No? Right. <laughs> and, and so you need to find a way to marry them. But at the end of the day, the only measure really is how happy is the customer mm. as far as his perception of the advisor is concerned. No? Because like I said, in a service industry, the risk is oh, oh, you know, is emanating from the fact that since you cannot really benefit from the product you bought until the contingent event arises, in which case that's death, then the measure of excellence comes down to how well did your advisor service you or arrive at your needs or really you know, define the requirements that he is not providing a solution to. So maybe Alliance can, after every sale, go to, go to the customer and say, okay, we'd just like to find out, uh, number one, how happy are you with your advisor as far as his knowledge is concerned, as far as his expertise on, on financial planning is concerned? If you can do that, then you can communicate to the client that we are not only here to make a sale. We are not only here for, for your money to be transferred to our pockets. We are here to guarantee that in a long-term relationship, it should be mutually beneficial in both our parts. Yeah, that's true. Sadly, those that uh, enter the industry and have that title 
on their names, financial advisor, do not really understand the duties and obligations involved. Some would say, if I make that much money, sabi mo nga yung sukatan would be number of cases, the average case size, mm. then the the growth in their bank account. Okay ka na. Yeah. Okay na. But then again, that is something that they need to be conscious about, that journey with the client. What can you say about mm. these coming in, these people coming in and not understand that it's actually a, 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 a journey that they have to take with these clients? Jay, uh, okay, in the case of Jay, for instance, mm. the banks know this really well. And I don't understand why insurance has not you know, taken up the same standard. No? Mm. The banks are clear about the level of service that a client in varying levels of engagement will require. Now, if you're a retail client and you're really nothing more than a savings account to them, then you're really just an ATM transaction or nothing, you know, something like that. As the level of engagement arises, as defined by the relationship, which is monetary in definition, by the way, then you will notice that the level of expertise applied to that relationship rises as well. So you cannot treat a client that's bringing in 100 million the same manner you're treating a client that's bringing in 50,000. Unfortunately, in insurance, you'll notice we make no such distinction. You're serviced the same way. And for me, that is a reflection of our lack of appreciation for the nature of the relationship. You know, if you're selling a premium, say, for example, to a 22-year-old who's paying 10,000 bucks per year or per quarter, that's really a transaction, nothing more. Transactional, right? As you go up the ladder and you now have people paying 100, 200,000, then it becomes relational. Why? Because the amount of engagement really requires some long-term commitment already. Right? Until finally you get, you get some people paying one, two, three, four, five million. The nature of the relationship is consultative now. No? So when they talk to Jay, for instance, they're not talking about what's the best product for me, Jay. They're talking about, Jay, my business hopes to be at this level in the next three, four, five years. I need your expertise to get me there. Now, because in the banking sector, that's a clear delineation, you will notice that the people tasked to do those particular functions are clearly delineated in terms of skill and expertise as well. Right? You're not going to have somebody talking to a, an ordinary savings account person, you know, being assigned to someone who is worth $100 million in a relationship. No? So we recognize that there's a demarcation line that will separate those who are inexperienced from those who are experts. Mm. Now, unfortunately, in the way we are structured in insurance, we, know, we, we, make, we make no such distinction. And so no. mm. you, you, will, you will find a lot of people unhappy. And that also goes into the heart of the identification of the, of the advisor. No? You will notice somebody like Jay, for instance, his level of experience and expertise is way above the typical person who enters after a year or two, right? Mm. But the public does not make does not make any such you know distinction. If you're an advisor with AXA, you're just any like any other advisor with AXA or Allianz or Sun Life. No, walang distinction, no. And so that works to the disadvantage of those who are really knowledgeable and really excellent at what they do. Because now you have 90% of the business being defined by people who simply are not in a position to render competent and professional advice. And that's where the problem lies. Because when you got the majority being defined that way, everybody else doing a great job will similarly fall victim to that definition. That's the problem. That's true. You know, you know, it's you, this is the first time I've heard of this. My 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 brother-in-law went to have a haircut. Have you heard of South Salon? Yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah. yeah no. South Salon. <laughs> from the north, because okay. si Candice. Yeah, from the north. Nasa nasa ng Honda yan, di ba? Correct, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then brings my younger brother, my brother-in-law, and then I asked, so how much is the haircut there for, for both of you? Ah, kami dalawa, siguro umabot kami ng two seven na for both of us. And I said, really? Well, kasi, and then he, he drops the name of the guy. The guy who cuts my hair kasi is a senior cutter. Yung kay Joseph uh, is, is my younger brother, Joseph, is, is not a senior cutter. So they had like different rates depending on who was cutting your hair. 
<laughs> because he he he's a guy that is known na very in demand yung time niya so he had a higher rate versus this other guy who and we're, we're talking about hairstylists right there there is no distinction like that in in the in the industry actually yeah Candice, let me share this with you now mm. yes go that ahead that is known I, I have, to everyone huh? that yeah, is known to the people i have this friend no he's, he's an icon in the business for obvious reasons i can't mention his name but he's huge no this guy probably earns in the vicinity of 3 4 5 million a month and he's really good he's really good he understands the business he understands the concerns of the clients but if you are not from the industry and you don't know him when he hands his card to you what do you see the same titles and the same designations that every Tom Dick Harry and his cousin are allowed to take up on day one mm. right because the only requirement in this business is for you to pass the IC exam right and then you become a financial advisor now i think it's time for us if not from the IC side no for companies to recognize what jay actually cited no the varying levels of competence and and uh, and knowledge will need to be defined and where value should be attached to it should come in the form of a designation or a certification and not just on the basis of how much can you sell right because hmm. because right now really let's face it now without without denigrating this this reality right now our only measure of excellence is how much can you sell right and true and lots of people out there are able to sell in a manner that is not representative of what is best in this industry right mm-hmm. and so when you have an icon in the industry known largely by his ability to sell and you have a lot of clients saying you know i felt cheated by that guy because you know he gave me the wrong uh, product then it doesn't speak well of how we regulate the business you know as opposed to okay let me tell you this now so in the US we have a clear line between the person who gives the advice and the person who sells the product right and they they cannot be one and the same person now in other countries singapore hong kong it can be one and the same person but in order to guarantee that the interest of the client is protected the regulatory bodies in those countries allow that single person to carry multiple representations multiple companies no and 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 the implication of that uh, of that regulatory move is because you carry several companies you will be in a position to provide the best and the most appropriate solution to the specific requirement of your client now here in the philippines we have only one representation right mm-hmm. and i'm not advocating for anything really uh, because uh, after all <laughs> i'm uh, i'm uh, an objective third party but if you cannot protect the best interest of your client at all times through a number of ways now one is to guarantee the competence of your advisor or two to ensure that the solution being provided is the best for his requirement then you're going to have a dissatisfied and unhappy client mm. over the long term and that's what we have basically john what about like if if i were to represent company a b c and d but company b gives the best compensation structure mm-hmm. how does that go in the conflict of interest sense where they not always choose company b because i get paid best by company b let me tell you we were that, to adapt that kind of system yeah how do they do it in singapore okay number one, the certification uh, process in singapore is quite stringent huh? and and you renew that every year but the way the way to resolve any conflict of interest on the part of the advisor is that the client can actually sue for bad advice if he or she feels that the advice was not representative of his or her best interest and put forward the interest of the advisor first then they can seek redress and grievance with the regulatory bodies there so again we are not structured to protect our our clients no uh, we are structured to to really allow for sales to be sales targets to be achieved no? yeah. that that's not a mutually exclusive phenomenon no? all i'm saying is that if you want the industry to you know to, to progress further then you have to find ways to guarantee that the customer should be happy over the long term 
In your article, Jong, uh, why I don't need a financial advisor, it says there one of my favorite articles that you've ever written mm-hmm. is is that article. It's on LinkedIn. Where else it's at? We'll tell us later, Jong. But what I like about it is you actually emphasized the relationship between you, uh, the client, and your financial advisor, where he will coax you. There will be a battle of wills. Yeah. If you say, I want to buy that car, what do you say? A financial advisor could. If he's patronizing you, he's going to say, yeah, go ahead, buy that car now because you have the money. But if he's really a, a genuine financial advisor, he would enumerate the reasons why you should buy it and why you should not you should buy not. it. I, I like the dynamics in that relationship. But right now, how do we tell those that are interested to look into this industry and say, yeah, I think I can do that because I'm a people person and I can do that to a friend. I can be a genuine friend to my client. What can we tell them once if they want to enter the industry? Here, here is where we lack. You know? And I'll go out on the limb and say it you know, outright. 99% of our financial advisors are not invested in the eventual outcome of a client's financial life. Mm-hmm. Now, in other words, if I'm really a financial advisor, at the end of the day, my job is to take my client from where he is right now to where he wants to go. And where he wants to go is a financial destination that not only must I help him define, but I must also be invested in enough for me to take him there, mm-hmm. right? Many of our financial advisors do not even know how to define the destination. You know, so what are these destinations? Retirement for one. Mm. Financial independence for one. Rich for another, right, Jay? If you can't even do it for yourself, you, you know, you talk to a typical financial advisor and you ask him, so, so what's the number that'll set you free? What's the, what's the amount of money that will allow you to retire tomorrow? He will not know that. And if he doesn't know that, I can guarantee you he can't do that for his client as well. But that's what we are being called upon if we are a real financial advisor to take our client from where he is to where he wants to go. And here's where it becomes really important. The moment you are invested in his goal, then you realize that he's going to get there through your expertise and Mm -hmm. guidance. And that demands a lot of competence and information and knowledge from you. And that's when you realize, I have to be an expert in doing this if I really want to be a real financial advisor. But that protocol is not even known to many. So that's our problem. Because I think for newbies in the insurance industry, the first thing that they master are the products being offered by the insurance company that they're representing. But from what I'm hearing, um, definitely you need to make sure that you are very equipped when it comes to conducting or uncovering that financial needs of your client, isn't it? Right. Like, for example, let's say Jay is my client here. And we've had many conversations about this now. I asked Jay a few months back, so Jay, what is the number that will not only guarantee that your lifestyle will be lived at the standard of your desire and not at the standard of your reality? And second, that that lifestyle is guaranteed until the last day of your life. What is the amount that will ensure that you will live that life even if you don't need to earn another peso for the remainder of your life? That is your financial freedom number. Another way to put it is that is your retirement number. Mm. So if Jay here, knowing Jay, he's got some pretty good taste. So let's say his his number is half a billion bucks. And that's not unlikely. My job as a financial advisor is number one to tell him, okay, that's our goal. We have to define the timeline. How long is it going to take for us to get there? And secondly, what kind of income should we be needing or earning in order for us to, number one, fund that lifestyle today, and number two, create that fund by investing at a certain rate in order for us to have that fund given the time that we want it to be there. I have many instruments at my disposal. Number one is insurance. Number two is healthcare. Number three are the investment instruments. Number four is my tax and estate planning knowledge. All of these come into play, right? So if Jay tells me, I will be needing you to take me there for the next 10, 15 years, then the instruments become handy because these are what gives 
might plan the mechanism of action it needs. But I'm invested in the eventual outcome. That's the difference between a financial advisor and an agent. That's the difference between a doctor and a med rep. You know, a doctor, we, we see that on, on Facebook. No? Doctor saves lives, uh, advisor saves uh, pockets. You know, the doctor spends 10, 14 years studying medicine. <laughs> because in order for him to heal you, he must know what's wrong with you first before he comes up with a solution. Many of our advisors, unfortunately, are solutions looking for problems. And when they finally find a problem, they can't even recognize it, even if it's staring them in the face. I don't mean to, you know, put anybody down. All I'm saying is, mm. in order for us to effectively carry out the task required by that title, we must be competent enough to be able to do it for ourselves. You know, honestly. You can't take yourself to the promised land. You have no business taking somebody else mm. there, right? Mm. Mm. Yeah. I have a number of things I want to say, actually. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. No, no. There's a part in Jung's article where he talks about the financial advisor being a financial architect. And then there's a portion there where he says, I want my financial advisor to be a friend or I don't need a financial advisor and a friend, mm. right? right. And, and the thing is, sometimes advisors... Let's establish one thing. Very easy to give financial advice, very hard to apply it. Right. It's, mm-hmm. I, and, and I posted a status uh, on, on Facebook last, last week. I said, investment advice is like love advice. Always easy to give it, hard to apply it. When it's your love life and our emotions, just like when it's our money, our feelings are different. But when we tell people who to break up with or what investment to stay with, it's so easy to give it, but it's hard to do it, right? It's like oh, right. you should break up. Right. You should break up with that guy. Um, he's he's no he's no good for you. Just like it's so easy to say, oh, you should invest your your millions in this, but when you actually had mm. the millions and it's your money, you're thinking of all the stuff that you want to buy, not all the stuff you want to invest in. Right. And so, so that's one thing that's that I tell people. You know what? It's so easy to give advice, so hard to apply it. And what the one thing that an advisor should be is not only a smart guy, right? Because we're, we're always talking about competence. We're always talking about he should know how these things work. But also, an advisor should not only be the guy who knows things, but be the guy to keep your emotions in check. Right. right? right. Keep your emotions in check. And... The, the One of the impediments that I see in our culture is that sometimes when we feel like there's this client-advisor relationship, we feel like we're somewhat below them and we're not in a place to give them advice about their money. Mm. Not, so, so parang feeling natin, my sphere of advice to him is only in matters of investment and insurance, not the car to buy, not the country club shares to invest in not the building that he wants to buy because that's not my sphere of influence in his life. It's only these matters. And then what happens is we feel like sila yung boss, tayo yung sa baba, how do I say it? Let's not meddle in those matters na lang. How do you say that in Tagalog? Huwag tayo ma... Makialam. Oh, huwag tayo makialam na lang kasi hindi naman, hindi naman natin yung concern yan eh, di ba? And, and one of the things that um, just happened recently was I have a client who is invested into two different dollar funds. One is specific only to the NASDAQ, tech stocks, your, your Googles, your, your Facebooks, your, your Amazons, your Netflix, right? right? Only invested in those stocks. And then she has another fund that is invested globally, diversified into five regions of the world. That that is like something for risk aversion and balancing out and diversity. And what she found during the pandemic was te- her tech stocks were not hit at all, and she's at a high at seventy five percent gains in three years. Seventy five percent gains in three years. Impressive and impressive because yeah. you know tech stocks. The coronavirus doesn't hit Google. You know, <laughs> Google the app yeah. itself. Okay, so and then she has another fund that is globally diversified. But she found that she's 3% down. And then, and then she says to me, I'm 3% down. Could I just withdraw from my down account 
and then I'll keep my up account. And I said, this doesn't make sense. <laughs> like, why would you keep your up account and then withdraw from your down account when you actualize the loss and then you're keeping like some gains? So I told her, do you mind if I give you some advice? And she goes, sure. I said, from a financial perspective, that doesn't necessarily make sense because your emotions are speaking right now. Mm. And I'm, I'm reading a book by Benjamin Graham called The Intelligent Investor. The Intelligent Investor. Yeah, and then he says, Fina- uh, intelligent investing has little to do with IQ, but more to do with emotional control. And I said to her, there are two main emotions at play when your money is involved. Fear of loss and greed of gain. Your greed, I told her this, your greed wants to keep you invested in the winning fund. Your fear wants to pull you out in the losing fund. It's not wise because you actualize this loss and you keep this gain, which is only concentrated in one industry. And if that industry goes down, and so I said, let's talk in a few months when all of this has you know, kind of settled in and you want to make a sound decision. I'll still be here for you. Jay, and then we ended the conversation yeah. there. I think what's important there, Kase, is you're yeah. able to say what you said, right? Yeah. Your, 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 your relationship is at a very comfortable level where yeah. you can say it out loud without having to worry about how she'll react to it, number one. And second, she's actually open-minded and trusting of you enough to listen to what you have to say and take it for what it is, not at face value. No? Many advisors, you're right, unfortunately, do not see themselves at the same plane as their clients, right? Mm. And therefore, if you understand that the advisor is the product and he believes that he is inferior, he is already putting himself in a position not to be a good source of advice. I'll give you another example. So I have this client who wanted to buy a car. He's got lots of money and he wanted to buy a fancy car. And so he asked for my advice. And I said, obviously, you've made your decision, but I'll tell you what I think, being a friend. So I go, you know, as a financial advisor, I go by only one measure. And that is any financial transaction in your life will be measured from the lens of your net worth. Mm. How will it impact your net worth? Will this make you richer or will this make you poorer? Okay. So I told him, I'm not telling you not to buy the car. I'm just telling you what will matter to you more, ensuring that your net worth consistently goes up, or are you willing to take a financial step back to give in to the desire for a better car? Only he can come to the final decision on what works for him. Hmm. Our job as financial advisors is to lay out to them what is the cost of an emotional decision as far as the financial repercussions of that decisions are concerned. We, we really don't make that for him. He said, how can, how can it be a financial step back if I buy a car when clearly, if I bought it for five million, I'm gonna have a five million car. And I told him, the moment you drive out of the showroom, your five million is 4.6. That's right. You know? <laughs> and, and, and therefore, your, your net worth would have taken a step back already. My job as a financial advisor is not to tell you not to do it. My job is Mm. to tell you, is the cost of the financial step back something you're willing to handle because your desire to own that car is much more than the 400,000 loss. It it really comes down Mm. to that. You create the framework that will allow them to make a decision on the basis of the factors that they need to know. So we are really providing the information. So you're right, Jay. At the end of the day, it's it's not really who's the most competent or the most intelligent. It is the person who's most trusted. Because I can be very competent, I can be very intelligent. But if the client thinks he doesn't understand me, or you know, particularly if you're not on the same financial level. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, mean, let's face it, no, if you're if you're a billionaire, you're not about to consult somebody who's nowhere near where you are with financial matters that you believe he can't even relate to. No? And, and that's the reason why water seeks its own level. You'll notice that the people, the financial advisors that these people keep are the people who speak the same language, who right. probably are in the same financial level, who understand just as much as they do about what matters to them. So there. And I actually like 
the examples I heard from Jane, also from Sir Jong, because it didn't sound as if you're imposing on your opinions. You're you're actually providing your clients with scenarios of what will happen no, if they choose one over the other. So um, I think that's one of the things that our financial advisors listening to our podcast uh, would have to learn no, from, from you too, because most of the time we tend to jump the gun and provide immediate solution without really um, understanding your client's perspective and actually giving them that um, you know decision talaga na sila ang mag decide for their own needs. So I like those examples. Yeah. Can I say something? Right. Uh, two two things come to mind, uh, and I tell this to to a lot of people. I say, it's not what you say; it's how you say it. You could say anything. But how you say it really matters. You you have to yeah. you have to cal- you have to calculate what are the implications of a statement like this. If I were to give advice, does it sound unsolicited or? And so I said, mm. do you mind? Do you mind if I were to give my take on it? I'm I'm actually reading this book right now, yeah. and it's it's telling me that gan gan gan. And then I hope I didn't offend you mm. by 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 intruding. But these are what I see are the implications of that kind of decision. Okay. So that's number one. Number two, you will fall prey to your biases if you're not aware that they exist. So you have to be aware of certain biases, cultural biases, family biases, value biases, all sorts of biases. And one of the things that I realized in one of the books that I've read by, by Malcolm Gladwell is he says different cultures have different what they call PDI the power distance index. Yeah. And the power distance index is basically how do people relate to authority right. or how do people talk to people who are superior than them. Right. And they found in the in that study that a lot of plane crashes happened in Korea because the superior officers did not know how to talk to their captains. That's right. The, 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 the engine of the plane is frozen. Na. They didn't know how to say it to him. Right? Mm-hmm. They... And so we, we are in a position to give advice, but sometimes our culture, and this is what we need to point out by Filipino culture. Particularly is, our culture. The power distance culture, index of our culture. Power yeah. distance index is so vast. And right. then right. He's, he's making so much more money than I am. Who am I to give him advice about so-and-so? Lang. And so? Yeah. Wag na lang. Mm. Parang ang feeling ko naman to give him advice about these things because he's making his billions and I'm kind of starting out in my career. And and so because of that, we we uh, we're not able to step in our shoes and say, una, mm. this my area of expertise is wealth growing, and protection of assets and protection of of businesses and families and conservation, income. conservation, conservation, yeah. preservation. This is my area. So it's not what you say; it's how you say it. How will you tell this person in a way where you may be intimidated by his wealth or his status or his position, position. but you say it in a way that has compelling, humble authority to it? You get what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so those are the two things that I have in mind. Be aware of the biases that you have. And it's not what you say, mm-hmm. it's how you say it. What, what I'm getting from, from our chat right now, from our discussion is that the imagery that I'm seeing in my head is like a, an iceberg, the usual iceberg imagery mm. where at the top that you see up above the surface is product knowledge, knowledge of the industry, knowledge of the people in the industry. But underneath is human behavior, which mm. as we know very well that according to Ariely, to, to uh, Levitt and Dubner, Richard Taylor, they say that behavioral economics says we are all predictably irrational. So knowing the fact that we are all predictably irrational, so how do you talk to people, making them aware that, okay, this is what you have to do? Jong or, or, or Jay? Uh, okay. I, I always refer to a source that is more credible than I am. Warren Buffett says this. You know, <laughs> so, someone says this. I would uh, say Jong Merida says this. <laughs> 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 Absolutely. He, he, he said he said credible, uh, credible. <laughs> John Merida is incredible. <laughs> you, you know, let me let me share this with you. you know, um, a few years back, I uh, I was engaged by this bank, 
to render consulting services to their high net worth clients. So these are the billionaires. And mm. one thing about the billionaires, they don't look like billionaires at all. Mm. You know, mm. that, that's, what, that's what you will read in The Millionaire Next Door. You know? That the real billionaires don't look like the billionaires of your imagination. And that's how they became billionaires. Now. So, so there's a, there was this particular client in Cebu who came in, did not look like a billionaire at all. And at first was very wary, you know, because I, I was a stranger. You know, why would you take advice from a stranger? Other than he was engaged by your bank to listen to you. So we spoke about his children. We spoke about his business. And we spoke about many things. You know? And then he started talking about his concerns in a very familiar manner. You know? but, but I could sense that he began to trust me. And at that point, I realized that I was not even able to establish a level of credibility as far as my financial knowledge was concerned. We just, you know, made a connection on a personal basis. And he probably assumed that since my bank got you, then you probably know a thing or two about finances. Okay. And then he said, you know, what I know how to do really well is to make money. Me making money. But I don't know anything about my money making money for me. What I do know is that if I want to reach the next level of wealth, it can't be me making money. It's got to be money making money for me. Right? Second, I don't know how to sustain wealth if I'm not there. So that's right along our alley, you know, wealth creation, wealth protection, wealth conservation. Many of the rich people you will encounter, at least those who are not yet publicly listed at, know how to make money on the sheer dint of hard work and, and uh, financial prudence on a personal basis. But where we can make a real difference really is in how we can get Jay, the financial system, to work for them. And we, we all know this, no? Just that I spoke to your brother about this. No? Mm. Two types of income, labor income and capital income. Okay. If you aspire to serious wealth, you can't get there on labor income. That's going to come from capital income, money making money. Mm. And many of the people who made their wealth by working hard need somebody to guide them to that next level. And that's where the real opportunity can come in. No? Because if you know how money can make money, then you are perfectly positioned to guide these people to the next level of their financial destination. So, you're, you know, you're, you're right, Jay. Uh, we can always cite uh, and reference authorities. No? But more importantly, if you're the guy that he's talking to, you can outline for him what you can do given where he wants to go. Because we always, we always establish it. So I asked this guy, so wh where are you right now in terms of wealth? And I hope you don't mind my asking. And he, he confided to me, I'm at $3 billion right now. And I go, how long did it take you to get there? 34 years, you know, 34 years of hard work. No? And I go, so what's your next target? And he goes, I want to be at 10 billion in five. So I go, it took you 34 to get to three and you want to go from three to 10 in five. You're not going to get there with hard work, mm -hmm. right? You're, you're, go you're going to have to get some instruments of the system to work for you because five, you know, growing from three to 10 is about 230%. So over five years, you're looking at an 18% CAGR there. No? Now, not, not, it, he's not the same young guy anymore. Right. So right. you have to leverage your growth on your 3B. Your 3B leveraged on you, but your 3B will have to be the leverage if you want to go to 10 billion. No? So that's where we can position ourselves properly. You know, many of us kasi, also do not know where we can add value. Mm -hmm. Right, and that's largely because many of us are trained really to sell a product. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, let let's face it, no. Whether you're talking about the banking industry or the insurance industry or whatever industry engaged in selling an instrument, we are configured and designed not so much to provide value to take them to the next level, but to provide them with an instrument that we feel can help them without regard for what their destination is. We need a more, uh, how should I say it, 
personalized investment in the destination of our client if we want to be effective financial advisors. Now, Candice, time flies so fast when you're having fun in your, this fascinating time. I have so many questions, Pa. <laughs> so mind-blowing. <laughs> Yeah, go but ahead. I'm actually learning a lot. Uh, just to summarize the last 30 minutes of our discussion, I think number one key takeaway is that hindi pal, ang, ang produkto natin are the financial advisors. So tayo as financial advisors, we're the main product. Basically, the service that we provide to our customers more than anything. And um, it's really about leveling up your skills as well. So na mentioned ni Jong and ni Jay earlier na as you level up, as you take on more responsibilities as you talk to high net worth clients dapat ikaw din you upskill yourself and that's also a, a call no for our insurance companies to also find a way to to provide that um, certification of some sort to financial advisors who actually improve on their knowledge. Um, finally, it's really about being aware of your unconscious bias. It's really not what you say, but, but it's how you say it. So ultimately, let's go back to our core values. A lot of our companies, you would find their core values are, is always surrounding clients, right? PNB, merong you first. Yung another blue company, we find ways through customer centricity, we just need to go back to that uh, core value, which is putting our clients first before anything. Right. That's right. And you can you can really affirm that commitment to your client by providing the best advisor. Really, huh? yes. Like like Absolutely. in the case of in, in the case of Jay, he, he clearly does his company proud. But more than that, when when Jay talks to his clients. The measure of comfort and assurance that his clients get with his company is a reflection of how they regard him. No, uh, na, yeah. na, napaka walang kwenta naman ng kumpanyang ko, yung mga advisors nila walang mm. alam. No? So, so, so really, if you want to affirm the value that you provide to your clients, no? the best way to do that is really to make your advisors the best of what they do. Absolutely. Because of this discussion, some advisors listening to this for the first time about to enter the industry will say, napaka-daunting pala, no? medyo marami kung kailangan matutunan. But it should not stop them. If they're really in that mindset of learning and understanding more and being able to serve a person better in terms of their financial needs, they still need to take this seriously. Because of that, I want to ask, starting with you, Jay, your parting shot, your advice to those people that are about to enter the industry. Mm. I've I've actually been given the privilege over the years to to mentor a few people, mm. and and some of the things that I tell them is, if you're not seeing yourself long term in this job, don't do it. Just quit. Just get out. Because because the thing is, you're you're gonna be you're cultivating long term relationships right. with. And you're 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 gonna talk to them about five years down the road, ten years down the road. If this is not your healing and it's just a gimmick for a quick buck, I don't think this is the industry for you. Well said. Well said. Right. Like that. And, um, I'll, I'll give a, a second thing on on the same vein. I remember asking my CEO once, "How do you deal with advisors that have a conflict within themselves whether to?" Propose solution A versus solution B when solution B is better for them, but solution A compensates you better. How do you deal with this? He said, well, the first thing I'll ask them is, how long do you see yourself doing this business? If you don't see yourself doing this business very long, then get the quick buck. But if you see yourself lasting here, then you will give the best advice regardless how it compensates you. I like that. It's the first time I heard about that, Jay. It's a very good advice. Dang. John? I, I will probably caution companies against overtly inviting part-timers. And, and the reason for that is because when you invite part-timers, it reflects the nature of your mindset that they are there part-time to sell. And, and so what are you communicating to your clients? That these are people who are not there really to render service and good advice, but to sell. Because if I were a client, I don't want my money to be managed by somebody who's doing it part-time. 
right? You don't want a part-time doctor to operate on you. You don't want a part-time lawyer to defend you in in Jay's rape trial, right? <laughs> you'd like you'd like to get the because best, I shaved my right? head. I look like a rapist now. <laughs> no, but what what am I saying? No? Again, every company has to manifest that commitment to their clients mm. through the advisor that they maintain in their roster. If I were company A, my commitment to my clients will be number one. That we are sending out to you the best products in the market. And what is that? Our advisors. And number two, these people are committed to providing value full time. They're not there to sell part time. Can you imagine? What message are you communicating to your clients mm. when you're saying that we accept part-time agents? Yeah. Right? Number one, you're not so concerned about what happens to your client. And number two, you're just fixated on the selling process. That's what you're communicating. If you are communicating to the public that way, it's it's time for you to revisit that strategy. And uh, my, my advice really to financial advisors, echoing what Jay said, no? You're invested in the lifelong journey of a client. And if you understand that the typical client is going to buy six, seven, eight policies through the course of his life, the compensation that you'll get from one policy should not matter so much over the long term. Instead, invest yourself in the outcome of your client's life. I can guarantee you that's going to be more lucrative over the long run. Mm. Yeah. Very good. Very inspiring. So Jay, Jay's on Facebook. You look for him. If he, uh, if you want to friend him, just uh, request his friendship. Jong, what's uh, what's in store for us? A new book, perhaps? Or uh, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm launching a new book in a couple of months. Uh, but more importantly, I'm also launching a program that is designed to take the financial advisor from where he is to where he wants to go. Um, so I think. All of us will acknowledge that uh, we have ways to go as far as developing the financial advisor is concerned. And I intend to make my contribution in that area. So an app is coming up very soon and a book as well. So I'll... Uh, an app. Yeah. Wow. App wow. And, yeah. I hope... Looking for- yeah. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to that. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. When we launch it, we, maybe we can invite you again. We'll we'll uh, help you launch it, and uh, we're all interested yeah. in waiting, excited for that app and book that you're going to release right. very soon. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. Could you connect me to the team that's making this app so that I could outsource? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> but <laughs> since it's booking app first. <laughs> yeah, but since it's a very lean team, if I connect you to them, my book won't be finished. But <laughs> 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 Okay, yeah. on behalf of the Caffeine Boost staff, I'm Candice and Emma, who's not here. And we would like to thank Jong and Jay, Uru Jay, no? for yeah. this wonderful conversation, this fascinating thing that we call learning. We should be like them, friends. We should learn every day. And because of that, I would like to, to tell everyone to be better every day. Thanks for listening. We will post this on YouTube and we'll also post this, of course, on Spotify and all the other platforms that wherever you listen to your podcast. Maraming salamat po. Bye. Hey, Jay. See ya. See ya. Take care. Take care. All right. Take care, guys. Bye-bye. you enjoyed today's podcast we'd like to hear from you what will you do differently to be seen as a trusted financial advisor for guests listening to our podcast if you like what you hear and you're interested in this noble profession you may drop us a message on our official facebook page at alliance pnb life stay tuned for another episode of caffeine boost brewed by alliance pnb life On behalf of Emma and Giselle from Distribution Training, this is Candice wishing you a great day. Stay safe and healthy. As you dare to make your life a masterpiece, we're with you. 
The name is Allianz, not Alliance, but Allianz PNB Life Insurance. Dare to, we're with you. For more information, visit allianzpnblife.ph. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in Caffeine Boost are for general information only, and any reliance on the information provided in this podcast is done at your own risk. This podcast does not constitute an offer to buy or sell any Allianz PNB Life product or service and should not be regarded as a solicitation, invitation, or recommendation to enter into any investment transaction or any other form of financial planning. This podcast should not be considered professional advice. Allianz PNB Life makes no warranty, guarantee, or representation as to the accuracy or sufficiency of the information featured in Caffeine Boost. Allianz PNB Life expressly disclaims any and all liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect, incidental, special, consequential, or other damages arising out of any individual's use of, reference to, reliance on, or inability to use this podcast or the information presented in this podcast. The contents of Caffeine Boost are the property of Allianz PNB Life. Users of this podcast may save and use information contained in the podcast only for personal or other non-commercial purposes. No other use of this podcast may be made without the prior written permission of Allianz PNB Life.